we're working, great. Word, spirit, and action. Uh, so specifically, and they're all intertwined, yes? They're all linked. Uh, specifically, this seminar, we're going to focus on the word part of that. So God's word as revealed in the Bible. Uh, we think that the word of God is integral to soul survivor. It's integral to us as Christians. Uh, the Bible essentially is the source of everything that we know and we do as followers of Jesus. Uh, just a quick little story. I was at Soul Survivor Melbourne a couple of weeks ago and on setup day there was a couple who were on team and they had a two-year-old son who was called Freddie. He was with them on the day. He was helping us out and um, I turned around at one point and he'd found a box of Bibles that I think they were using to give out to new Christians and he was sitting in this box surrounded by Bibles and he pulls out one of them, holds it up and he says, Bible. And I'm like, I have not heard this boy speak. He's two years old. I think he might have a vocabulary of about five words. But one word that he knows is the word Bible. And I'm like, isn't that fantastic that a two-year-old boy, he knows what that book is. He knows that it's the word of God. And he knows that there's something really special about that. So what we have in our hand, if I was to hold up my Bible, this is something of infinite value. And when you think about it, there are thousands of educational institutions around the world that exist to help people understand what this is. And there have been so many people around the world who have given up their lives so that people could have a Bible in their hands to read. Uh, it's translated into, get this, 636 different languages. Isn't that amazing? Um, it's the world's best-selling book of all time. So it raises a question of, all. Well, it's of infinite value. It's obviously a book of great significance. But what is it about the Bible that makes it a book of infinite value? And essentially, this book, it reveals the transformational message of God's word to all of us. Uh, our faith is totally dependent and built upon this message, um, which is really exciting. Um, it's of infinite value. So just let's do a bit of a raise of hands if you would say that you believe the Bible to be true. Cool, we're pretty much on the same page. Fantastic. Um, surveys show that 12% of people that believe that the Bible is actually true, only 12% of those people have actually read the Bible. Isn't that interesting? We kind of say that, yeah, we believe it's true, but do we actually read it? Do we actually have our Bible open? Um, and a lot of people, I think, who I know who would say, yes, I believe the Bible to be true, I would probably say, I've probably read a couple of verses, or I've read maybe the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, and maybe that's it. So isn't it interesting that we say the Bible is true, but the question is, have we actually engaged with God's word? Uh, so this seminar is how to read your Bible. Um, and we've called it that because I think the, perhaps the main reason that the Bible isn't being opened is because we, we really don't know what to do with it. We really don't know what to do when we have it in our hands and we open it up and we're like, where do we start? It seems to be full of lots of strange words of really weird things. What do we do with this? Um, we don't know where to start. We don't know what to do with it. So I think often that's, that's why, because we don't know how to go about reading God's word. So that's kind of what this, this seminar is about. Personally, I've had some moments in my life where I've loved getting into God's word and I can't get enough of it and I'm wanting to read it every single day and it's fantastic. Um, but I've also had moments where it's been a bit of a slog and you're opening it up and you're like, I'm going to read it, I'm going to push through, this is hard, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then I've also had seasons where it's probably stayed on my bookshelf and it hasn't been opened and it hasn't been read. 
But I can say in all honesty, if I look past on all the years of my life, if I'm able to identify my favorite years on earth, it just so happens to be that those years are the years that I've actually spent so much time in God's word. And it's interesting that they coincide. And I think actually my favorite years of my life on earth have been very much that because um, I've been in the Lord's word and I've just been absorbing so much of his truth and it's been very significant in my life. So this afternoon, I want to look at a few things. Uh, just briefly, who wrote the Bible? When was it written? What's it about? Just briefly, because I want to spend most of the time on how do we actually engage with God's word. And I want to give you guys a few tips that you can take home as you seek to get to know God through his word a little bit more. So firstly, who wrote it? Uh, and when was it written? Um, I don't know if you guys know some of these things, but it's actually really interesting. So the Bible was written by approximately... 40 different people who picked up a pen. Um, but it was all inspired by God. So the thought is divine. The revelation is divine from the Lord. Uh, but the expression of the communication uh, is from humans. Humans have written it by hand, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, even though there have been 40 humans that have been writing it, inspired by God, there is one central clear message all the way through. It's quite amazing. The Bible was written over a period of approximately a thousand years from 8th century BC to around about the 1st century AD. So that's a long span of time. Um, and the Bible is actually, I think sometimes we think it's just one book. It's made up of lots of different books. So the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblos, which essentially means books, um, because it's got lots and lots of books. Um, and those books were all written for different reasons, different periods of time by different authors. So some might say, well, it's such an old book. It is, isn't it? If you think about it, it was written many years ago. So some might say, well, how is it actually relevant to today? Can it actually speak to, to our issues that we experience today? Um, but the truth that we know is that God never changes and his word never changes. And it says in Isaiah 40, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And perhaps our translation might seem a bit old fashioned. If you're reading a, an old King James, that might come across quite old fashioned and I'd suggest perhaps get a more recent translation that's easier to engage with. Um, but the word of God never changes and is always relevant. Um, because it, always, it is always telling us the truth of who God is and God never changes. So what is the Bible? Um, as I said, a lot of people um, just think it's one book. It's got lots of stuff in it. Um, but often people also think that it is just one book, book, book. It's a book. No, it's not. One big book of rules where it says uh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, you can do that, but you can't do this. Um, and yes, there are lots of commands in the Bible that show us uh, how God would love us to follow him and love him and obey him. But it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. It's an amazing story of God's love for us, of his grace, of his salvation, and the fact that he wants to be in relationship with us. And it shows us how we can be in relationship with him. And this is the best place to get to know who God is. And if that's something over the course of this week at Soul Survivor, if you thought, I'd really like to get to know God more, this is a great place to start because in the Bible, it reveals to us God's character, his nature. It shows us what he loves. It shows us his values, 
what he likes, what he doesn't like. It helps us get to know him and to know his heart even more. The core message of the Bible, essentially, if I can put it into one sentence, is something like this. It's the message of Jesus Christ who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. That message of Jesus is a central message throughout the entire Bible. Um, if I, this is a little bit fun. If I go New Testament, a lot of people just read the New Testament, right? Because they think the Old Testament's really hard to come to grips with, which often it is. If you look at your Bible, this is the Old Testament on my left, and this is the New Testament. So the New Testament is actually quite a small part of the entire Bible, yeah? Um, but what is actually happening is the Old Testament is leading us to the coming of Jesus Christ the Saviour. It's all pointing to Jesus. In the New Testament, the New Testament is describing that Jesus is here. And it's just describing that narrative and telling us about that. So everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus and the New Testament is revealing Jesus to us. So that's a little bit of a fun thing for you. Old Testament, New Testament. Um, does anyone know how many books there are in the Bible? You have got it all happening today. Totally, 66. Um, so there's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And how's this? Does anyone want to have a guess? If you were to sit and read the Bible in one sitting, how long do you reckon it would take you? I've done it 23 hours and 10 minutes. Oh, really? Do, was that from like Genesis to Revelation? Man, that is amazing. <laughs> That is an achievement. I actually read somewhere a number much greater than that, so you're doing really well. Um, I read something like 78, and obviously it comes down to how fast you read, doesn't it, as well. Um, and 70, hi guys, come on in, come on in. Grab a seat, grab a desk to sit on. Excellent. Cool, good to have you. Um, 78 hours does seem like a long time, but when you think of a big book like this, actually, it's not all that long. And I think often I, in the past I've thought, oh my gosh, where do I start with the Bible because it's so big? But perhaps maybe think it's actually not as big as, as we often think it is. Um, personally, for me, my reading and understanding of the Bible had also uh, dramatically changed when I realised that every book, uh, and throughout the Bible, there are lots of different genres of literature. So you have things like you have historical accounts, but then you have poetry, and then you have narratives, and then you have sermons, and then you have things like parables. And when you understand that there are lots of different literary genres in the Bible, you realise, oh, okay, I need to read this differently then. And that helps my understanding of scripture. Um, if you pick up some study Bibles or commentaries, they can help you understand a bit more of uh, what genre a particular book is being written in, and that can help you understand that as well. Lockie Higgins, I've asked Lockie to come and just share briefly um, just about his experience reading the Bible. Come and join me. Um, this is Lachlan. Lachlan goes to Ruach. Um, and he was a part of my youth group a number of years ago where I put out the challenge to say, guys, we're going to read the Bible in a year. Has anyone done that? A couple of you have. Excellent. Um, and some of us were like, yeah, let's do it. And it kind of got to the second month and we're like oh this is actually trickier than we thought um, but then others pushed through and actually made it to the end and Lachlan that was you how old were you at the time I reckon you may be 15 or 16 is that right 15 or 16 so 
I don't know if you can remember specifically, but when I put out that challenge, what went through your head? Okay, here we go. I like that. He's a yes. That's a yes face. What Alan was saying last night. Yeah, excellent. So you picked out your Bible. Do you want to tell us? Um, I think it'd be great to hear from you what you loved about reading the Bible in a year. Let's start with that. Just finding all the new things that I just hidden within it. There's still so many things I, I didn't know. Yeah. Or so many stories. Yeah. And people that I went about now. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And how do you find it reading it every day over the course of 12 months? It's actually not that hard. It's actually not that hard. Hey, there you go. Every night before I go to bed. Yeah. So yeah, so you found the time that suited you and you went for I it. I took away with me to Yarrabah. Yeah. Not there for a week, I took it on Jupiter Heights. Yeah. I ran everywhere. Yeah. Did you have anyone that was uh, checking in to see how you're going or you just went for it? There you go. And sometimes that can be really helpful to have someone kind of doing that with you and encouraging you, sending you texts. Um, but you just went for it. And any anything that you found uh, anything that you found hard, or any struggles as you're reading through it. Some of the books are just crazy. I broke the numbers in general. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much room for it. Just, I don't know. Yeah. There are some really tricky books out there. Um, but. Like you pushed through and you did it, and it's totally doable. And I just think I'm so inspired that you did that um, because it helps us go, oh, it can be done. <laughs> uh, it might seem challenging, it might seem tricky, but it actually can be done. So, cool. Thank you so much. Can we get a lot of you clap? Yes, we got them a bit late. We were supposed to start in September. Mm -hmm. This is the book we got, which is made by Sol. It had a, a, a bit from the old and a bit from the new, and either a Proverbs or Psalms. And so we read a bit from each part of the Bible every day. But we got hours late, we got a month late. And so I started, like, not in Genesis, so I, I ended with Genesis. Yeah, okay. Which yep. is quite weird. Yep. After the Revelation. Yes, <laughs> yes, it would have been. How did you find the process of, because as you said, you read a bit of the Old Testament and New Testament and a psalm each day? How did you find that? Well, we just. The sections got easier. Yep. 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 And that can be sometimes a good way to read the Bible, reading a little bit of the Old Testament and a bit of the New Testament on the same day. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. So good. Um, so the next thing that I want to touch on is why has God given us the Bible? Why has He given it to us? Uh, there are a few things, but the main one, um, first up, is it points people to Jesus, clear and simple, points people to Jesus. John 20 verse 30 says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Um, and then it says, And that by believing you may have life in his name. So it points people to Jesus. It points us to Jesus. Secondly, uh, the Bible helps build a relationship with God. So if you think about your personal relationships with people, um, a big part of that is communication and using words and speaking to each other. And in a similar way, uh, God has given us his word in the Bible. It's one of his ways that he speaks to us. Um, so just like a normal relationship with people. So it builds our relationship with God. Uh, thirdly, why has God given us the Bible? It guides us how we can grow to be more like Jesus. And it helps us understand things like what's right and what's wrong. How does God want us to live? 
How is God's way different from, from my way? Uh, and Psalm 119 in there, it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. It's a guide for our lives. It's a guide for our lives. Um, so it points people to Jesus. It helps us build a relationship with God. It's a guide um, for us as well. Uh, fourthly, the Bible equips us for living like Jesus. Um, it shows us things like how to pray for someone who's sick. It shows us how to um, relate to God, how to relate to other people, how to tell people about Jesus. Um, 2 Timothy says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it equips us. Uh, Another one, the Bible helps us fight battles. Have you heard that the Bible is referred in Ephesians 6 as our sword? Have you heard that? God's word is our sword. I think that's a fantastic image. Um, The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And if you think about it, a sword, a Bible can combat hostile ideas and it can cut a straight path for God's truth to reign. So if there's any sense of us having untruths creep into our lives or lies, we can actually claim God's truth over that and we can find parts of the scripture that is truth that we can speak into situations. Um, and a person that I know a couple of years ago was going through a really tricky time and someone said to her, uh, before you go to bed every night, read Psalm 23 and then keep your Bible open next to your bed. And so she did that. And just by, by reading that Psalm, and she, I think she read it aloud in her room, in her house, just by speaking God's word out aloud, um, there is power in that. And so God has given us his word as a sword. Um, as we fight these spiritual battles. Uh, And lastly, the Bible is our authority. The Bible is God's final word. Uh, Nothing is to be added to it. Nothing is to be taken from it. And so for us, it's our final word on all matters of of life and following Jesus. So that's why we uphold the truths of the Bible. That's why we submit to the Bible. It's our authority. All right. I'm going to pause there, and um, Claudia was an intern with me last year. Claudia goes to Dual Baptist and is a youth leader there. And I've asked her to come and give us an overview of the Bible, just a five-minute overview, a snapshot, because sometimes it's really helpful as we read the Bible to have that uh, bigger picture in the back of our minds as to what is happening from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. So do you want to pop up and help us with that? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's a really large book and I only have five minutes, so I'm not touching on everything, the things that I think are important. Um, now, I wanted to start, I'm going to go from brief, like roughly the Garden of Eden to when Eden comes back at the end, because I felt like that was pretty helpful. But I wanted to start, I'm going to draw as well, because I think drawing is helpful, that um, God, so the Trinity, so you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, always was there and always existed. So does anyone know what, when we open the Bible, what's the first thing that happens? It's really obvious. Creation? Yeah. So let's go creation and I'm going to draw a flower, which is the gardens. I'm going to do it now here as well. And we'll get back to this guy later. So in the beginning we have creation. God created the entire world, everything in it, and then he created people. Um, And if you were in Emily French's um, talk in the morning, she mentioned that um, we were created in the image of this, in, in the image of the Trinity. 
Um, so God created everything and he looked at what he's uh, created and he said that he was pleased. Um, and then we have what happens in the Garden of Eden. And this is a story that you probably know really familiar. Um, and it's often called the fall. And let's turn apple because that's probably helpful. So in this story, we have um, Adam and Eve and then um, Satan comes in and he, he tells them that, um, that if, if they eat the fruit of the forbidden tree, the fruit that God told them, this is the one thing that you can't do, that they would suddenly know everything, that God was um, lying. And um, they made that choice, and, and that's when sin entered the world. So from this point onto this point, and really now today, because this is past what's happening today, we have redemption. And really, what I love about the Bible and what really helps me to understand it is that everything fits into the story of redemption. Um, so we have the fall, and then after this, we could say what I find helpful is to think that God came up with um, a new plan to bring us back to this point. But really, we know that I feel like saying a new plan makes it sound like God screwed up. And he definitely didn't do that. So we just, we're going to call it a new plan. But really, he knew all along. So a new plan. And we have the patriarchs. These are the really big names of the Old Testament. So we have Abraham. Oh, does anyone? Oh, I forgot one. Noah, Abraham. Does anyone know the next one? Oh, I think I heard someone say it. Yes, Moses. My handwriting is so bad. <laughs> so, sorry. So we have the, um, the patriarchs. And with these people, God um, sets this new plan in, into motion. So we know the story of Noah and the ark. And then with Abraham, he says that if he um, promises to follow, if Abraham promises to follow just God and is faithful, he will um, make a mighty nation. That nation is Israel. And then um, we have Moses who comes into the story in Egypt um, because Israel, this, this mighty nation, God's people, um, has been forced into slavery in, in Egypt. So just fitting with the story of redemption, just like how um, Jesus will later come to bring us out of our slavery, he's bringing Israel out of their literal slavery in, in Egypt. So I have notes because I don't want to forget anything. So from here on, we have Israel into the promised land. Does anyone know what the promised land is called? It starts with a C. Yeah. Canaan. So God is bringing his people back in into the um, promised land. But um, although everything was perfect here, it's still not quite perfect here. So um, we have what's going on here is the prophets and judges. And really the prophets are just pointing to the fact that um, although they're in, the, they're in the promised land, it's not perfect and that Jesus will have to come. And um, the judges and kings. Um, is essentially, um, I like to look at it in saying that although um, we have great leaders and they were great leaders then, they're not the greatest leader, that's, that's God. So um, this is the main chunk of, of the Old Testament and we read it, it kind of sounds like a lot of mistakes and then good moments and then mistakes and then good moments. So that's what's going on here. Um, and then we have... So let's go New Testament, Old Testament. This is actually probably quite realistic to the actual Bible. <laughs> so then um, we have 
I think it's approximately 500 years of stuff that isn't recorded between the Old Testament and, and the New Testament. But throughout all of this, we have, um, I guess, an expectation on God that when, um, when, Messiah, when the Messiah comes back, this guy that the prophets have been talking about, he's going to be this really great and strong guy that's going to um, fight and, and bring, um, yeah, I guess, God's people into like an actual land. Um, but then we have Jesus and the cross. And we know that Jesus isn't this guy that went around um, and I guess fought the way that they expected him to. He was the opposite. He flipped everything upside down and he was really humble. Um, he, uh, yeah, he, he washed people's feet and told them to love the, the lost and the lost. So he defied every expectation. And then this is the part that we know really well. We, we know the cross. We know that Jesus died for us. Um, that is the beginning of, of the New Testament in the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And then after that, we have um, the apostles. Um, the apostles, when they're spoken about in the New Testament, it means that they were people that saw God. So we have the apostles and the church. And really... Nothing has really changed from then un un until now. We're still living in um, in what's called the age of the spirit. So, um, yeah, we have the story of the church. And then, because this is five minutes, we'll jump all the way to the end. And we have um, in Revelation 22, um, the restoration of Eden. Um and we know that um, in, in heaven, we're going to have this again. It's, it's one um, yeah, big journey where God is fighting for his people back um, from this point to, to this point. But um, a few things that I want to touch on that I think is really encouraging, because um, previous to last year, I really struggled to understand the Bible. It seemed really, really big. But I think once we have this general idea, um, you can kind of open it at, at any of the books and know where you're at. So. I tell you was saying everything always points to um, Jesus. When we read um, of, of these people, um, when we're reading these stories, we need to know that, yeah, where is Jesus in this story? When we're hearing about um, the prophets speaking of this new coming person, where is Jesus in the story? Um, Israel was, was God's people, and, and now God's people are here again. And the promised land is, is, is here again. So the, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's one big story that all um, crosses over. But if I was to do like, I was trying to think how I could mush it all together. So I'm gonna do this one big story. And in, in reality, it's the greatest story of love. The whole thing is one story um, of how love is always in perfect relationship and desire for his people to be in. in perfect relationship. When we look at all of this, it seems kind of big and um, and hard to understand, but when I look at this, I see that um, God is willing to fight through literally everything to bring us back to that point. That um, even though everything goes up and down and up and down, uh, this is our history. This is like the family that we've in inherited. And we're all going back to here. <laughs> so that's my five minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, as you know, the Bible is a big book, and to summarise it in five minutes, you did a great job. Well done. Um, all right, so let's just do a time check. Fantastic. 
Um, what I want to jump into now is how do we engage with God's Word? How do we do that? I've got 10 quick, hopefully quick, tips for you. So if you have a pen, get ready. Uh, first thing is develop a love for the Bible. Develop a love for the Bible. Um, when I was very young, before I could read, um, my parents were amazing in sitting my sisters and myself down every night and they'd just read scripture with us. And I remember being five years old and mum was like, hey, we're going to read Proverbs. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. Um, and I realised when I was seven that I didn't actually have my own Bible. And so I said to mum, can I have my own Bible? And she's like, no, you're too young. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Um, and so I kept asking and asking, can I please have my own Bible? And on my eighth birthday, my final present that I was unwrapping uh, was the classic Good News Bible. This is very old. This is like 25 years old now. Um, and it even has these cute little stickers that I put on. My heart, my heart belongs to Jesus. Um, gorgeous. And it says, Tanya Dean, um, by mum and dad, love on your eighth birthday. This was my first Bible. And when I got this, because I've been asking for it for so long, I was stoked. I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And I have to have moments in my life now where I'm like, do I have that same eagerness of wanting to have a Bible in my hands as I did when, when I was seven, many, many years ago? And so for us, is that question of, and, and I think it's a question that we ask God, God, would you give me a love for your word? Would you give me a love to get into your, to your word and what you want to say to me? Um, so that like Jeremiah, we can say something like this. He said, your words were my joy and my heart's delight. Can we say, God, I want your, your words to be uh, my joy and my heart's delight. And often it's just that prayer of, Lord, help me have a desire and a hunger for your word. And I often find that sometimes I just have to start reading. And as I start reading and studying the Bible, that actually rekindles a greater desire to read more of God's word. Uh, we read the Bible with prayerful hearts. That's really important. The book's all about Jesus, so he's the best person to help us understand what we're reading. Um, at Luke 24, 45, uh, it says, Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. So ask the Holy Spirit, as you open up your Bible, God, help me understand uh, what you're saying as I read this. Tell me what you want to say to me. Thirdly, uh, read attentively. Um, I think sometimes we think, all right, I'm going to grab my Bible, I'll read it, yep, done, put that down, tick that box, easy. <laughs> um, but actually, when we read the Bible, we want to spend time in it. And there's a few words that uh, appear in the Bible, words like search, words like examine, words like meditate, which kind of gives this idea of actually really spending time in God's Word and, and studying it and trying to understand what He's saying to you. Uh, one way that I've personally found that helpful is that if you were to pick up my Bible, there's lots of things underlined. So I, I read the Bible with a pen in my hand and I just underline and I circle and I write little comments. And personally for me, I find that really helpful to engage with the Bible. Um, so we want to read attentively, listening, uh, asking the question, God, what are you saying through this? Fourthly, um, make time. And it's a hard one, I think, in our day and age. There's so much happening. Uh, but make time and, and find out. So Rocky said that if for him it was at night time, that was the best time for him to spend time with God in reading the Bible. Um, for me at night time, I'm half asleep by then. So I know that that's not a good time. Um, so find a time that just makes sense for you, where you're probably at your best um, and spend that time with God. And think of your day. For me, I'm like, okay, um, I might be standing in a queue. I might be waiting for an appointment. I might be sitting on a bus. In what other creative ways can you actually 
carry a Bible with you that you can pull it out and, um, and get stuck into it. Another one, um, the Bible, it's not your fortune cookie. Um, and I think sometimes we misuse the Bible because we think, oh, you know, I want the Lord to speak to me, so I'm going to open up to a random passage and I'm going to, oh, that's, that's the word for me today. Uh, first, let me say, as I often pray for people, um, I love it when God brings verses to mind and I can encourage them. Like, that's fantastic. Uh, what we probably don't want to be doing is misusing our verses and taking them out of context. So a classic example, which you may have heard of, um, is it, okay, if someone did that and they said, okay, well, God, come and speak to me, so I'm going to just randomly put my finger in the Bible and it's going to go to, you know, Matthew 27, 5, which says uh, Judas went and hung himself. Okay, so then they turn to Luke and they're like, oh, let's see what the Lord wants to say now. Go and do likewise. We know that that is not God. Yes, that is definitely not the Lord speaking. That's a brilliant example of how to misuse scripture in a way that that is is not Jesus talking to us. Um, So we have to use scripture wisely. Uh, We always read passages in the context and try and understand, well, God, what are you saying in this particular passage? Um, So the Bible is not your fortune cookie. Another thing uh, that is helpful to engage with God's word is to read the Bible with someone. And a number of years ago, after a Soul Survivor conference, uh, a girl in my youth group came up to me and she said, Tanya, I want to I read the Bible. I want to get stuck into it. Um, and I said, great, all right. Do you want me to read it with you? And so I said, well, why don't you pick a book, of, um, a book in the Bible and we'll just spend the next month reading it together. Um, we'll obviously read it in our separate places, but we'll just text each other every day. Maybe text, text something that the Lord was saying to you through that passage. Um, and so we did that. Funnily enough, she picked the book of Revelation. Uh, so that was a fun journey. Um, but that was really rich for her to have someone to read it with. I was super encouraged because she just wanted to learn a lot more. Um, so I, I'd really suggest that. Find someone who you can read it with. Um, text each other. Hey, how'd you go today? That can be really helpful. Put it into practice. Kind of goes without saying, but sometimes we need to say it. God is more interested in us putting the words of the Bible into action as opposed to us just reading it and filling out our head with knowledge. Um, and Ali mentioned last night that to love God is to obey his commandments. He, want us, he wants us to put that into action. Uh, another thing to help us engage with God's word is persistence. Um, let's be honest, we know it's hard. It can be a lot of hard work. It can be really tricky. You get to some of those early books in the Old Testament and you're like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? Um, So I just want to encourage you to to persevere and push through. Um, And that's also where it's really helpful to have someone perhaps who you're reading it with or someone that you can say, I'm reading this, but I really don't understand it. I don't know what Paul's going on about in Romans. Can you help me with that? Um, And it says in Proverbs 2 verse 1, it says, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find knowledge of God. So persevere with reading the Bible. Persevere with it. Uh, one final point on that. Um, just reading the Bible as it is, is great. Um, there are many resources that you can also use to help you understand it further. So you can pick up something like a study Bible, which has extra notes about uh, the background to the book, other helpful bits that enable you to understand the passage clearer. There are also things like devotional books that might be helpful, uh, or commentaries, again, if you want to go a bit deeper into a text, so that can be helpful too. Um, 
All right, before we get practical, what I just want to touch on now is a few ways of actually studying the Bible. And I know it's, this is like the end of conference. We're all pretty sleepy and we're in pack-up mode. So if you're going to remember one of these things, just remember this. It's nice and simple. One way to study God's Word is the word soap. Have you heard that before? Yeah, soap, as in what you use when you have shower. Soap, S-O-A-P. Someone reminded me of this again this morning. So uh, S, it's an acronym, right? So S stands for scripture. So read a short passage of scripture, even if it's just a couple of verses. O is observe. So take a moment to think, what's being said here? What does this mean? And then A is application. So asking that question of how does this apply to my life? And then P stands for the word pray. So I'll say that again. So it's just really simple. So S, scripture. Read, read a passage of scripture. O is, did anyone remember? What's O? Observe. Observe. Take a moment to think, hey, what, is, what could this mean? A, application. application. You guys have got this down pat. And P? Great. And prayer is, is you just saying, putting, putting that passage in prayer back to God and asking him to help you to apply that to your life. Um, one other thing that can be really helpful if you look back at that passage that you picked, is what title would you give it? Can you write a one-line summary of what you just read? That can be really helpful as well. That's something you can remember. Just a few other things that you can do to uh, help get into the Lord's Word. Um, when I started reading my Good News Bible, I started at Genesis. Um, that's what most people do. Uh, you can do that, but I'd probably suggest, first of all, start with the Gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, um, which is an account of Jesus' life. It's really easy to get into, easy to engage with. Um, but if you're going to do a, uh, another way of studying the Bible is to do a book study. So pick, I'd say first up, a short book of the Bible, maybe like 1 Thessalonians, which is a short letter, uh, and read it a couple of times. Um, maybe a second time in a different translation or something. And some questions that you can ask yourself as you're reading that to help you study what's actually happening is the question of, well, okay, who wrote this? And who were they writing it to, if it was a letter? Um, what are some of the main ideas? What's the central theme? What's the, what's the main message trying to be communicated? Um, what can we learn about God? What can we learn about ourselves? And also the question of, how can I apply that to my context? Um, and it's also interesting to ask the question of, when and where was this written? Because when we take the passage in Philippians where Paul says, you know, rejoice and do not be anxious in anything, um, when we actually realise that he was sitting in prison as he wrote that, it brings a whole new dimension to the meaning of that passage, doesn't it? When he's in prison saying, rejoice. And I'm like, wow. Um, so sometimes knowing uh, where the person was when they wrote it can be quite helpful. Alright, another way to study the Bible is a topical study. So you can get a concordance, which is basically a list of uh, words in the Bible and it tells you where you can find them. So you could look up the word love and it gives you a list of where love is mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, often that, the list of the word love goes on for ages. So it's a topical study and the best way to do this, if you have time, is to actually read through all the passages that talk about that topic that you're interested in. Uh, read through those passages. Um, and now we shed light on different aspects of what that concept means. Perhaps mainly, maybe the only danger in doing that, if that was the only way you were to study the Bible, you might get stuck because you might end up just reading all the stuff you're interested in and you probably wouldn't look for words like 
sin and disobedience and, and words that we're not that interested in for us to press up. So that's the only thing. You just don't want to get stuck in the bits that you're interested in, um, but it can be really helpful. It can also be helpful doing a biographical study, so picking a character of the Bible and finding out where they appear in Scripture, where they're spoken of, and reading through those little moments um, and discover what can you learn about their life, what can we learn from their mistakes, but where God commends them, how can we imitate that? So biographical study. Uh, another way is to memorise Scripture. Has anyone ever done that? Spent time memorising verses? Yep, yep, yeah, cool, excellent. Um, so it might be just a couple of verses, or you might decide, um, I've never actually done this, but I know some people that have decided to memorise one of Paul's letters, um, which is, you know, five chapters, and for me, I'm like, how would you ever do that? Uh, it can be done, and sometimes that's a really good practice to remember God's word and plant it in your heart. Um, so memorising scripture. Um, something that I know people have done, and I've done at times, is to read one psalm each day. Yep, that can be really helpful. And as Lottie was referring to, uh, this is just one example. There are lots of different versions of Bible in a year that you can get your hands on. Uh, Source Bible in the UK put this out a number of years ago. And the way that they've done it, um, this is what Lottie read, is each day you read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, and either a Psalm or Proverb as well. Um, and it's, I mean, you finish the whole Bible in 12 months. So that can be really helpful too. Um, Yes, there you go. You guys have been amazing, can I just say. Last seminar moment of conference, and I know you're exhausted. Um, we could talk about the Bible forever. We really could. I've just kind of given you a few little tips and bits and pieces. Um, what I would love some space to do now, yes, we have time, is to read the Bible together. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Um, so the way that we're going to do that, how many? Okay, let's do. Can we get into groups of about four or five? And I've got a few people in the room already that are going to come and join you. And um, what we're going to do, I've given um, some people a list of four options on a piece of paper, um, different ways to read the Bible. And as a group, you can pick which option you'd like to do, and then just spend some time reading a passage of scripture together and asking the Lord, what is it that you want to speak to me through this passage, and how can I apply that? my life. So just look around you, maybe grab four, four friends and just have a little circle. We have two wonderful guys at the front. Does someone want to come and join them for a group? Actually, why don't, do you guys want to be a group there? Yep. Perfect. So just groups of about four or five.
Thank <laughs> you. 